Hi there, this is Erin Nicole, and you're listening to the Move Happy Movement podcast. On this show, I interview various leaders from all around the world to help inspire you to live your happiest life. Maybe you're going through a tough season, or maybe you just got through one. My hope is that the information we share, the conversations that I have, will inspire you to keep going, keep moving forward towards your dreams, towards those things that you were designed to do. I love you all. Make sure you stay all the way to the end to hear about the fun competition. Check it out. All right. I am so excited, so honored to have Patricia Benavides here on the Move Happy Movement podcast. Thanks so much for taking the time today. Thank you, Erin. It's wonderful to be with you. And just from the point of disclosure, I have to say that you were one of my first students I met when I went to Evergreen Elementary way too many years ago. (laughs) That's right. That's right. So it's good to see you again. Yeah. And that's actually, you know, I always love to share with my audience, you know, how I connect with my guests. And it was my first year in public school and you're my first ever PE teacher. So you made a positive impression on me too. Um, you know, one day become one and to still continue on in the field of health and fitness. So, well, thank you. And you have made an incredible impact. I know that the time that I saw you working with children, you were dynamic. Thank you. So it sounds like you overcame your shyness, right? <laughs> yeah, I was definitely a, a different version of myself back then. Thank goodness we can totally change, yeah. and grow, and improve. And um, for those that yeah, don't, you're a perfect know, example of that, of how, you know, we can choose to make a difference by choosing to grow and improve. That's a perfect way to go into this conversation with you. Thank you. I really appreciate that. And for those that, you know, haven't had the experience of working with you or learning from you, let's, let's go back a little bit. Let's, let's talk about your origin story. So what was Patricia like as a little girl? Okay. Well, I love to talk about that. That's the first (laughs) chapter in my book that I'm writing. Um, I started out, I was uh, one of uh, six children. I grew up in rural New Mexico. I was a non-English speaker when I started school. So mm-hmm. my first day of school was very traumatic because my brother took me into the building and left me there. Mm-hmm. And here I was lost, didn't know what to do, had never been away from my family. Mm-hmm. And this amazing woman came up to me and she looked at me and she reached her hand out and she said, hi, I'm Miss Pegram and mm-hmm. I'm your teacher. Mm-hmm. Now, I didn't know what she said. But what I did experience was this amazing love and kindness coming from a human being that just immediately set me at peace and ease. Mm. And that's what made the whole difference in my educational career was Miss Pegram. Mm. And um, I went on to have a fantastic year. I learned to speak English. Mm-hmm. Dick and Jane were my favorite friends. Mm. And, uh, you know, they helped me. You know, I've always loved reading since then. Yeah. And that carried me on. And then in second grade, I had this teacher who was very old, very tall, and, you know, very grim. Mm -hmm. And my cousin and I were, had just come in from recess and we had been talking Spanish and everything, you know, and playing Mm -hmm. jacks. And I sit down at my desk because I was a very obedient little student. Mm -hmm. And uh, the next thing I know is I hear this slap Mm. on my desk and my hands had just been hit by a yardstick. Mm. And I hear the words, We do not speak Spanish in school. Do you understand? Wow. And that experience set for me a whole thing about shame. Yeah. And a whole thing about being bad and not doing things right. Mm. 
that I would say it affected me until I went to Evergreen Elementary where I met you and we had the English language learning program there. Mm -hmm. And I saw all of these kids, you know, that were non-English speaking. And I thought, you know, I've come home. And yeah. it was like, that was such a healing place for me. Mm -hmm. And uh, the, especially the Spanish speaking kids, because, you know, I could relate with them. And yeah. that's where I really began to take pride in my native language again. And I used my students as my coaches to help teach me speak, uh, speak Spanish again. Mm -hmm. So that was the important thing. But I went on, you know, and I went on to college. I was an honor student in high school. I went on to college. I wanted to be a PE teacher from the time I was little because I loved, you know, what they used to call a tomboy. Mm -hmm. And uh, I loved it. And then uh, I came to Oregon not knowing anyone. And I started my teaching at the high school in Springfield High School. And mm -hmm. it was a, I got to start the whole sports programs, competitive sports programs for girls. This was before Title IX. And I spent two years there. And then I came to Tacoma. Mm -hmm. And I taught 10 years in the Tacoma Elementary program. Mm -hmm. And then I left teaching. And I was gone from teaching for 20 years. I had my own business and mm -hmm. did all sorts of things, worked for the State Teachers Union. And uh, then I came back one night. I had this dream. And I had this dream from my principal, whom I dearly love. And she said, Patricia, it's time to return to your joy. Mm -hmm. And that's when I went back to teaching. Mm -hmm. And I had almost 20 very successful, I would say even more joyful years teaching. And I taught until I was 72. And then my knees and my back just wouldn't let me carry on the gym floor mm -hmm. anymore. So I left there. And since then, I've been doing a lot of uh, internal work, uh, looking at, I'm getting ready to start my business called Shifting Possibilities, which is a, uh, a program that is geared to helping people reframe what mm -hmm. life can be back, even through a pandemic or whatever. But taking a look at that circumstances are always going to be coming at us, you know, external from one reason or another, whether mm -hmm. it be through the government, through experiences or whatever, mm -hmm. but that we as individuals have the choice of how we respond. Wow. And, and that's, that's, that's what I wanted to do. I'm wanting to focus specifically on uh, young women of color, mm -hmm. not to exclude anyone else. I would never do that if they want to come everything, but my focus is going to be helping young women of color learn to see that things can be different. And yeah. like, no matter what their circumstances are, they still have the power to choose. And that's the important thing. We always have the power to choose. Yeah, I love that. Let's talk a little bit more. Where did this inspiration come from for this new phase in life? Well, uh, my inspiration basically comes from the four principles that I gathered from my ancestors. Mm. And uh, the main principle was con cariño, which was mi abuelita, my grandmother. Mm -hmm. And she always said, con cariño, everything, always with love and kindness. And mm -hmm. that's been my, my theme throughout oh. my whole life. That's and beautiful. then my grandfather's uh, principle, from which I learned, was con ganas todo es posible, which means with willingness and desire and action, all mm -hmm. things are possible. Mm, that's powerful. Yeah. And uh, my father's uh, message to me was, be like the dandelion. You know, one day I went home crying because this kid had called me a dirty Mexican and I went home, you know, and my dad said, what's the matter? And I told him and he said, remember, you're like the dandelion. You have very strong roots and a strong foundation and you can overcome anything no matter how many times you get put down or cut down. You mm -hmm. always come back stronger. Mm. And then the principle wow. from my mother was como las mujeres, which... Mm -hmm you know, men always like the women. And, you know, my, I saw my mother is strong. She could overcome anything. She could do anything. Mm -hmm. And I carried that message with me, you know, that as women, we have a very strong, strong 
contribution to make to the world. And, you know, I remember the comments from Dalai Lama, the Western, the world will be saved by the Western woman. Mm. And, you know, so that continues to carry that principle for me. And then my first year teacher, Miss Pegram, at the end of the year, she gave me a, a book about mm -hmm. a ladybug. And she said to me, a ladybug is but an insect, but it does great work in the world. And I've always remembered that, that, you know, we can go beside, beyond ourselves to contribute to the world, that the world is much larger than who we are in our small little community bodies or big bodies, whatever we carry around. Yeah, that's beautiful. I love that. I love that you tie your family in, your culture. That's beautiful. And I feel like a lot of, a lot of women, not just women of color, all women can relate and connect and support that. And men too. I really believe that's, Yes, absolutely. Things. So uh, we can we can talk we can come back to that in a little bit. Um, I know okay. we, had, we had had a chat uh, a couple of days ago, and you told me you went through some pretty traumatic things, and your family has also gone through some some of those traumatic things as well. Did you want to talk about that today? Sure. Yeah. No, I'm. You know me. I, I'm willing to share my experience, whatever it is, good, bad, and the ugly. <laughs> So when you had opened up to me, you said you had gone through some cancer treatments um, as of late. Uh, let's let's talk about that. Now, how long ago okay. was that? And okay, I'd love to talk about that because that was a very power, one of my most powerful experiences I've had in my life. I was diagnosed with breast cancer in uh, March of 2020, mm -hmm. and uh, the part about that is that I had always had my mammogram, and before I go any further. Whoever is listening to this, if you're 40 or above or even younger, make sure you get your yearly mammogram. Because yeah. I had always had my yearly mammogram. It had always come normal, back normal and everything. And so I was thinking, why do I need to go have it? I'm okay. You know, I'm past 75, et cetera, mm -hmm. et cetera. And one morning in my meditation, I heard so clearly, Patricia, schedule your mammogram. And for me, when I get internal, deep internal messages like that, I always pay attention. Mm -hmm. And so I did, you know, I scheduled my mammogram. They got me in, et cetera, et cetera. And I thought and the lady said to me, you know, if everything's normal, we'll send you a letter. If we need any more, you know, we'll call you. Yeah. And uh, here in Tacoma, we're very, very blessed to have a wonderful breast cancer center for women. Yeah. And uh, so a day later, I get this phone call. And she said, we'd like to have you come in for this. We need additional information based upon what we saw in your mammogram. So I said, okay. So um, I went and... Um, the, she said, you know, we're going to schedule you for a biopsy. I said, okay. So I went and got the biopsy scheduled and everything. And then they called me in after the biopsy. And one thing I want to share with people is when you're going to go through a potentially life-changing experience like that, it's really critical to have someone go with you. Mm. I was blessed that these two women I had met at a New Year's Eve party that were from Texas. And, you know, we had barely started a friendship and everything. And they, they've been my angels. They'd said, you know, we're going to go with you. And mm -hmm. so they did. And I was so grateful for that because when we walked in, I'll never forget this. There was this nurse of wonderful, wonderful ARNP. And on the wall of her was a poster of Pele, who is the goddess of, you know, a fire. Mm -hmm. And I, we talked about that. And, you know, my two friends, Sherry and uh, uh, Judy, uh, they were sitting there. And so the ladies, you know, I sat down next to her and she just put her chair up next to me and was real close. And she started going over the report. It said negative, negative. And I'm going, ah, you know, this is going to be good. And then she gets to the part that says, unfortunately, this part was positive and we found cancer. Mm 
And Aaron, in that moment, I'll never forget this. In that moment, I felt such a presence, like being fully present, like I had never experienced before in my life. Mm. And I heard the voice of my abuelita and my mom saying, mm. don't worry, mijita, our daughter, we're going to take care of you. Oh. And I looked over to see Sherry and Judy and their faces were just as gray as could be, as the gray as the day is outside today. Mm. And I thought, I wonder if I'm looking just as gray. Mm. And they both said to me at the same time, we've got this. <laughs> and I knew everything was going to be okay. Yeah. And it's like, wow. you know, I had been with, uh, I, have, I came from a family with uh, five brothers. All of them have gone through cancer. I've lost four of them. I was with three of them when they were diagnosed. And I remember being with them. And, you know, and one of my brothers, I stayed at a hospice center with mm -hmm. him his last two months of life, almost 24-7. Mm -hmm. I was there with him at the hospice center. So cancer was not uh, a foreign person, an experience in, yeah. in, in my life. It was, But I had developed this almost cavalier attitude that, my brothers had all had it. I would, excuse me, I wouldn't get it. Yeah. And so when I got that, and it was like, okay. So I remember coming home and, you know, Judy and Sherry were just phenomenal. They just hugged me and everything. They said, you know, no matter what you need, we're here. And so one of the things I want to say is that it's really, really important that you have a support system. Yeah. Whether it's a friend, a family member, a person of faith, or reaching out to groups or whatever. Yeah. But it's important to stand with that because no one goes through cancer alone. Right. And cancer doesn't just affect the person that's experiencing it, but it affects everyone in your surroundings and everyone in your environment. So I really encourage people to reach out. You know, I'm pretty independent. I live by myself. I've always been, you know, I'm reliable, I'm resourceful, I can do this on my own. Mm -hmm. But in that moment, I knew that this was not a journey for me to go through alone. Yeah. And so I set four intentions of how to go through the journey. My first intention was to meet it, meet the challenge with courage and faith mm -hmm. and prayer. Mm -hmm. The second one was to uh, meet it with laughter and lightheartedness. Mm -hmm. And the third one was uh, to reach out and support and the fourth one was to trust that every step I had taken, everything I had ever done in my life up to that point had prepared me for this moment. Yeah. And, and that's what I chose to do. And, um, you know, when I say prayer and, and faith, it's like every morning, you know, I do my meditation and prayer means many things to people. Sometimes I do just prayer just by looking out at the, my backyard and watching the wind blow the leaves and watch their dance. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I do it through music. You know, mm -hmm. sometimes I do it with my little buddy here. He says, I got to be a part of this, that he's <laughs> carried me, my little five-pound chihuahua. Here, you can see him. <laughs> Say hi, everybody. I'm Pepito. He's <laughs> barking because he did not want to miss out. He knows. Um, sometimes it was just things. So I, I did that. I also purposely made the choice to not broadcast that I had been diagnosed with breast cancer on Facebook. Yeah, that was so and, powerful to me. Yeah. When yeah, the reason that. I did that is, you know, and it's, I, I know it's well-intentioned and everything, but I hate hearing the word, I'm sorry, but, you know, somebody close to me dies or whatever, or I'm sorry you're going through this. No, there's nothing to be sorrowful about. Cancer came to me in my body 
because it was a way of my spirit letting go of all the past disappointments, all the past trauma, all the past times when I felt like I had failed. Mm. And it, it gave me an opportunity to go inside. So I wanted to experience it very, very intimately. What is this thing called cancer, you know? Because we have been conditioned as a society. I'm always amazed how we're conditioned, how to, it's, it's a beast, it's terrible. You know, you know, we're victims to it. We're not victims to cancer. We're victims to how we respond to cancer. Mm. And, you know, I'm always amazed how all these advertisements on TV and they announce all the prescriptions and everything. And, you know, all these ladies are all in good shape and looking beautiful and everything. No, cancer doesn't, doesn't appear like that for most people. Yeah. And, you know, I want to make real clear that when I talk about cancer, I'm not saying that everyone will meet cancer in the way that I did. I yeah. certainly have empathy for each person's experience. And my empathy really became even deeper as I went through chemotherapy. Mm -hmm. And I saw all the women and men that were in the going through sessions when I was going through my treatment. Yeah. And um, so everyone has their own experience. But what I am saying is we have the opportunity and I invite people to welcome cancer into their life as a way of what is it trying to heal within us mm -hmm. and not become victims to it. Because if we become victims to it and allow it to take over our lives, it can be devastating. Yeah. You know, I've seen enough people with cancer, both in hospice centers with my family, my cousins, et cetera, mm -hmm. that it, it can. And to me, I, I took those four intentions that I set. Mm -hmm. I, I went through uh, chemotherapy and, um, you know, I attracted a phenomenal team. I, cultural diversity is very important, one of my top values. Mm -hmm. And I was amazed how I attracted a, a, a team that was very culturally diverse, very... Uh, diverse in age, race, gender, et cetera, you know, sexual orientation. And I was real clear that my preferred mode of treatment is I approach an integrative approach, both holistic and allopathic. Mm -hmm. And I, 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 all of that was on my team. So it was like, I got the best of all worlds, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and um, I had the young men that were part of the chemotherapy during my, one of them, my name is Alan. I call him my little leprechaun angel. Um, but, um, <laughs> You know, I went through uh, the chemotherapy. I did not have the side effects that most people have. I had the fatigue. I had uh, deep fatigue sometimes, you know, and you know me, I've always been very active and I'm glad mm -hmm. that I have had that active life because I think that also was instrumental in my being yeah. able to respond. Mm -hmm. um, uh, the, one of the, uh, the radiology oncologists, I call her my vegans are, um, she <laughs> told me, you know, we recommend that you go on a whole, whole foods, plant-based diet, if possible, and that you not eat meat, you not eat dairy. And, wow. you know, I've, I've been moving toward that, you know, and with a lot of resistance. But when she said that, it made sense to me. Wow. And so I became very diligent about what I ate. Yeah, that's so powerful. I've been doing it for, since grad school, um, uh -huh. about 90% um, particular about plant-based and people always ask me why well cancer is on both sides of the family I made that decision so I'm glad to hear that be validated from medical professionals mm -hmm. yeah yeah I was did you notice a difference pardon me did you notice a difference with oh yes I, you know like I said I didn't experience the side effects I didn't experience the nausea 
I didn't experience the diarrhea. I didn't experience anything. The only thing that I can say that I really experienced was a lot of the fatigue. Okay. You know, my surgery went well. Uh, my radiation, I did 33 treatments of radiation. Oh. And um, there toward the end, I was noticing that I was starting to get more tired and I was starting to feel more of a the burn in my skin and stuff. Uh -huh. But it's just like, one of the things I learned and... It helped me to, because I, I get on the tangent and I go and then I let it go and I go on to something else. But uh -huh. what I learned through this journey was staying focused. And, you know, the, the women that were on the radiology team and they were so wonderful. And the, the other piece that I learned from them is that it's important for us to be our best advocate. Yeah. To become an active consumer, a responsible consumer, because the caregiver can only do so much. They're doing their job the best they can. Yeah. But if we participate as a partner with them, you know, I believe strongly that we'll get a much better, uh, much better care and much better treatment. And that's my experience. That's what's happened. You know, I was just at a doctor this morning and uh, going for some treatment on my niece. And she said, you know, she said, I'm glad to see that you're so active in your treatment. She mm -hmm. said, we get so many people that just come in, give the treatment, and out they go. And, you know, we don't get to connect. And um, one of the things that's important to me is to thank them for the work that they're doing. Yeah. You know, they play such an important part, particularly during this pandemic that we're going yeah. through. You know, they have been at the front lines. Yeah. And so for, to me, it's important to express my gratitude Mm -hmm. and to express kindness to them because they're just human beings, just like I am, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And they're doing their job the best that they know how to do. And it's up to me of how I choose to respond. I love that. Mm -hmm. And you've, you've really talked a lot about uh, two of the three pillars of Move Happy, you know, uh, as far as mindset, you talked a lot about meditation and bringing, uh, you know, social network, bringing your friends with you and that support. Um the third pillar I would ask is, and you mentioned, you know, being athletic most of your life and being a PE teacher, what, uh, what have you found is your most enjoyable physical activity, sport or dance, um, that you, that really gets, gets you feeling good, gets you feeling happy? Yeah. Well, for me, it's quite easy in the morning, you know, after I do my, I like to do my quiet time and, you know, go uh -huh. out beating into my yard and stuff. But for me, dance, movement, Dancing. you know, before my, before my knees gave out and everything, I just, you know, used to do a lot of step boxing and yeah. uh, I, I love that, but now my knees won't take that anymore, but just to move, you know, yeah. just put on the music and just move however music mm -hmm. moves me. Sometimes I do some Tai Chi. Sometimes I do some yoga. Sometimes I just walk around moving, moving, mm -hmm. moving. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, just move, just move, you know, sometimes walking. I was walking up to five miles uh, right before uh, my cancer diagnosis mm -hmm. and uh, my knees gave out. And so that part is moving. But the important thing is find a way that feeds your soul. Yeah. You know, for some people it's dancing. For some people it's out there, you know, lifting weights or whatever. Mm -hmm. For me, as I've gotten older, I have learned to be gentler with my body. Mm-hmm. And let my body speak to me about what is it that it's needing? Is it needing to be quiet today? Is it needing for me to just sit down and do nothing and just read or write or whatever? Is it needing for me to get up and go? Mm -hmm. But becoming aware of what is my body experiencing and what is my body asking for? 
Yeah, I love that. And going back to the dance comment, you may or may not remember, but back in in uh, sixth grade, you taught us the uh, I forget what the dance was, but it was to the Men in Black song. Oh, really? <laughs> I feel like it was a country line dance. I feel yeah. like it was, yeah. Yeah. Probably the electric slide or something like yeah, that. Yeah, a little bit of that. We did like a slap mm-hmm. thing with the angle. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I could probably that go back great. to my files and probably see you on the film. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, I've always... That, let's post that everywhere. Mm-hmm. No, that, that's what I do. And, I, I you know, I, I love to move. I just, you know, sometimes I just put on some music and I put Pepito and we dance together. You know, when I was going through chemo, I, I talked about the nurse that was giving me the chemo. I said, uh, the, you know, the stand that they put the, the bag and everything. Uh-huh. And I said, this is my new dance partner. <laughs> you know, not dancing, you know, because I would go to the bathroom or whatever. But no, music and, and movement have always been very important to me. Yeah, I love that. That's, and that's so important for people to hear. It's not about what we think you should do. It's what's going to feed your own soul because we all have different right. impressions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I love that. Um, so let's talk, let's go back to your business that you're getting into. You're writing a book. Like how can, tell a little bit more about what's going on and how can we support you at Move Happy? Okay. Well, like I said, my book, I actually finished writing most of it almost four years ago. It's, awesome. it's in my memoir of, mm-hmm. of my experiences in life. And I've uh, uh, toyed and toyed with what should I title it and everything. And mm-hmm. I haven't quite come up with it, but something about being undaunted or, you know, whatever. And yeah. uh, just uh, an un, 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 uh, unstoppable spirit. Because mm-hmm. my, my whole philosophy of life is that life is a learning adventure. Mm-hmm. Every day brings new learning. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm working with that. And the reason that happened is like, it wasn't supposed to have been finished because the last chapter was about my journey through cancer. Yeah. And so I'm writing about that now, and that'll be the last chapter in the book. And I hope to get it published uh, sometime next year. And I think I am going to go with the title Undaunted, although until the next thing comes up and who knows. Um, (laughs) The other thing that I'm doing is uh, I want to start a podcast called uh, uh, Conversations with Spanglish Girls. Ooh, I like that to do a a podcast with uh, young women of color, no matter whether they speak English, don't speak English, whether they do both or what their experiences have been. As a young woman, whether you call yourself a Latina, Spanish, Mexicana, Mm -hmm. whatever, Latina X, whatever, you belong to the community. And using the community as as the building block to establish a network Mm-hmm. And to establish support systems that for many aren't available out there in the greater world. And, you know, sometimes we think, well, I, you know, in order to be impactful or to be having a, a, an effect upon people, I have to be famous. You know, we don't all need to be Oprah's. We don't all need yeah. to be, you know, Deepak Chopra's. We don't all, we need to just be ourselves. Yes. And, you know, for example, this morning when uh, I stopped at the grocery store on my way home, the gentleman that helped me guarantee, I could tell that he was developmentally, you know, in challenge and stuff. Mm-hmm. And he was so kind. Mm-hmm. And I said to him, thank you for helping me with my groceries. And I carry a box of the Mylar little blankets. I call them the, th- you know, that we put, I used to keep them in my emergency bag when I was teaching mm-hmm. uh, for the kids at school. And I reached out and I said, you know, 
may I give one of these to you so that you don't get so wet? I know you're going to be out here all day long and it's pouring. And he was just so grateful. Mm. And he said, thank you. And I thought, you know, those are the kinds of things that will change the world. It's not the big stuff. Mother Teresa used to say, we can't all do great things, but we can each do little things with great love. Yeah. And those words have always stayed with me. And, you know, as I run into here in my area where I live, I'm noticing an increase in the number of homeless people. Yeah. And uh, I've been, you know, I've been very intrigued, especially with the women. And I've stopped and talked with them, you know, and, and shared, you know, food. I've shared, you know, clothing that I was on my way to Goodwill to uh, deposit out how they could use and they could. And it was like, you know, we tend to stereotype people that are homeless as not wanting uh, help or, you know, being on yeah. drugs or whatever. Yeah. And that's not always the case, especially mm-hmm. with the women. One woman I ran into, and you know me, I like to ask questions. <laughs> I, she, I found out she's homeless because her husband died of cancer and she lo- they lost everything. Mm. Wow. You know, another woman is homeless because of domestic violence. Mm-hmm. You know, another woman is homeless because her kids left her. And, you know, she lost all her kids and she didn't know where to go. Mm-hmm. And another woman is homeless, true, that, you know, she says, I can't get off these drugs and I don't have anywhere else to go. But here I feel safe with the, you know, the people that are homeless. That's her family for now. Yeah. And, you know, I was thinking last week, I thought to myself, you know, those people, don't put them down, you know, because I walked into the store and I asked this lady, I said, may I have a cup and a spoon because I'm taking some soup to this lady? And she says, you know, they could go out and get a job. <laughs> and she gave me the spoon anyway. And I said, you know, I says, that is her job right now. We all, there's always a, my grandmother always used to have a, a, an empty plate at the table. I'll never forget. One time I asked her, I said, Lele, why is there always an empty plate? She says, that's for the beggar and all of us. If mm. someone shows up that needs to eat, we, there's a place for them. Mm. You know, and that was part of her cariño. Yeah. And so I always remember that. And it's like, I said to this woman, I said, you know, I said, somebody's, that is their job. And I thought, coming home, I thought, you know, that takes a lot of courage to be out there every day, to be out there in the total unknown. You don't have any place to sleep. Yeah. And, you know, I said, you know, that takes, that takes persistence to be out there every day. So yeah. let's look at those qualities that they're using and what is it about the system that is not helping these people yeah. be able to make it in our society. You know, to me, it saddens me to great that that here in the richest country in the world we have increasing numbers of families that aren't able to make it yeah and so that's what i say each of us has the capacity to make a difference and the most basic of those differences is to show kindness yeah to show gratitude and to share and you know give of ourselves wherever we can yeah i love that so if people want to connect with you and your story, I know you, you said your book's going to come out next year. What's the best way that they can connect with you? P-B-E-N-A-V-I-D-E-Z at earthlink, right? earthlink.net for now. I, you know, <laughs> so technology flawed. I don't understand how to set up all these systems. So I have a friend that's going to come and help me set them up. Awesome. But it will be under shiftingpossibilities.com probably. Awesome. Like when, once we get our set up, set up and uh, awesome. also uh, the podcast, I'll be announcing it. 
Yeah, that's so cool. I'm so excited yeah. for your podcast. You're oh, gonna, you're gonna kill it. I love it. I hope so. I hope so. Well, it'll be open to every woman, but I am gonna start out by uh, starting it with Spanglish uh, the conversations with the Spanglish girls, and I'm gonna start out with great. my cousins. I'm yeah. gonna start out with my cousins. You oh, know, because they that. we have a, a diverse experiences. You know, some that didn't make it, and some that have done yeah. quite well. So right. start my up there and have the thing. I'll send you my little sis's contact uh, from Big Brothers Big Sisters. She's wonderful. She's born in America, but her parents were born in Mexico, and mm-hmm. done, she's done a lot of the interpreting for her parents' readings mm-hmm. and whatnot. I think she'd yeah she'd, she'd have a blast chatting with you. Oh, yeah. that'd be good. You know, that was part of my healing when I went to uh, around language when I went to uh, to Evergreen was mm-hmm. being able to talk with the Spanish speaking parents. Mm-hmm. You know, some of whom were undocumented. You know, but that didn't bother me. You know, they were human beings as right. far as I'm concerned. Everybody deserves. And they were very instrumental in my regaining my pride in my native language and the desire to want to speak it again. Mm-hmm. And uh, my kids, you know, I, I still call them my teachers. You know, my kids, they were Spanish speaking. Also, mm-hmm. they they were so instrumental in my healing the whole trauma around language that had occurred for me. I love that. Okay. Thank you so much for, for being on the show today. I always love to close out the show with a, a random impromptu question. And we've been Go talking for it. a lot about your cultural pride and whatnot. What is something that someone that might not know about your culture, what is something unique that you could share? Oh, God, that's a tough question. <laughs> um, you know, because my culture isn't just around my ethnicity. You know, my culture is around age. It's mm-hmm. around income. It's around, uh, you know, you know, being a lesbian and the whole experience that I went through, you know, and coming out and how different it is now. Um, it's around uh, just, uh, just uh, being a progressive, you know, person. One of the most difficult things that I had growing up is I never felt like I really belonged anywhere because I was so concerned about being, you know, learning about being excellent. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I didn't understand at the time that the racism that was occurring. So the Hispanic kids would call me gringa. You know, they they, thought I was being a gringa because I wanted to, you know, and all I wanted to do was excel. Mm-hmm. you know and do the, learn the mess they can and yet the anglo kids they were my friends at school mm-hmm. but i never got invited to any of their parties mm-hmm. or whatever so it was always that place of thing and so to me the thing that i want to say about culture is it's so important to see each person as an individual yeah. Even in my own family, you know, I'm very politically different than some members of my family. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm very um, outspoken. Mm-hmm. <laughs> surprise, surprise. <laughs> and, uh, and some of my family members still think that I should be this quiet, passive thing. And I said, no, you know, I'll never forget one time when I was teaching this, one of my uh, colleagues said, you know, you don't look Spanish. You don't look Hispanic. You don't look Chicano. And I said, what is one supposed to look like? Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're all individuals. So that's the main thing that I want to say is not stereotype, but to allow each person to bring forth their experience. Yeah. And to me, the starting point for that is we have to listen first. Yeah. Even when I come across, you know, other his people in the Hispanic culture or, you know, the lesbian culture or the 
political culture, whatever age culture, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. The important thing for me is to always listen first because one thing I find is that most of us listen to respond rather than to understand. Yeah. And so to me, it's important to listen, to understand. Mm -hmm. And then from there, I can begin to build the bridge, if you will, of how our experiences have, each of our experiences have been affected by the larger components of racism, the larger components of sexism, ageism, you know, homophobia, you know, religion, whatever. Mm -hmm. We can start from there. And that is to listen, to understand, regardless of what culture. Yeah, I love that. Beautiful way to end it. Love it. And you know, I'm so excited, uh, you know, because one of the biggest joys that I got from my teaching career is now connect, reconnecting with many of the students that I had, such as yourself, yeah. and seeing the growth in you, seeing the dynamism in you, seeing how each of you has taken your own life, you know, and chosen to move it and, and serve humanity in many different ways. That's where my joy comes mm. from. It's like, you know, I'm glad that I had the time and the opportunity to be blessed by all the students that yeah. were part of my life. So thank you. Thank you. This has been so fun. We'll definitely have to have you back when uh, when your book gets released. Okay, that's a deal. You got it, girlfriend. <laughs> Love, Love it. you. All right, that's a wrap, folks. Thanks so much for listening to the Move Happy Movement podcast. I hope you learned something. I hope that we inspired you to live the life of your dreams. And if you did learn a little something and you loved it, would love for you to take a screenshot of a certain part of the show, post it on social media, maybe write a couple of sentences of what you liked. Go ahead and tag us. You can tag us on Instagram, Facebook, or now it's soon to be called Meta, and on TikTok the little at sign the real move happy that's t-h-e-r-e-a-l-m-o-v-e-h-a-p-p-y on snapchat we are the little at sign the move happy on twitter the little at sign move happy team and you can tag us on linkedin my main page where I do most of my posts is Erin Nicole, CEO and founder of Move Happy and Erin Nicole Ministries. Uh, would love your feedback and if you want to write a review, of course that helps us to increase listeners and whatnot. And we are doing a fun competition for those that are helping to spread the word of the show, spread the brand around the globe, doing a fun private concert for those that continue sharing sharing the happy content, sharing the podcast with their friends and family, and really helping to spread awareness of what we're trying to do. Um, we do measure it by the total number of downloads. So once we get to 10,000 downloads, I'm going to invite all of you that are regularly sharing content on social media and writing reviews on iTunes. You're going to get a, a private invite to the concert. And I'm really excited to be able to share my gift with you and to say thank you for helping me spread the brand all around the world. My, my long-term vision is to, of course, end depression globally. Um, I know that that is a, a huge undertaking, a huge dream and vision. Um, we are born with conditions, and so we might inherently 
lean towards those behaviors, um, but as a woman who uh, was diagnosed at a young age with depression and has been able to do a lot of amazing things despite that, I believe we can move forward past our labels and diagnoses and still have an incredible life of contribution. So I'm going to check right now, and you can check at any time 24-7 on the website where I upload my my podcast. It's themovehappy.podbean.com. So I'm going to check right now and see where we're at downloads-wise. All right, and we are at 28.94, so we're almost at 3,000 downloads. I don't pay for ads. I don't pay for bots. You guys are really spreading the word, and I thank you. I thank you so much. So a little ways to go. So if you just talk to maybe five to ten people about the show this week, um, we'll help spread the word even faster. Love you guys. And don't forget to tell someone you love them today. See you next week.